week two of this three-week series, Multiply, as the back of your 3C Life Weekly says, what you keep is all you have. What you give away is what God multiplies. That's the, the overarching big idea that we acknowledge that when we, we give our offering to God, God takes it and He receives it and He blesses it. He does not just add it to His kingdom, but He multiplies it exponentially. And that is a huge concept. It's not just addition, but multiplication. If you were here last week, then you will remember our title sermon was God Must Be First. Our, our overarching theme last week was God must be first in every area of our life, including our giving. And then as you can see today, we're going to be talking about the principles of multiplication. Multiplication occurs when God's power is combined with our obedience. Sometimes I wonder just what difference does my giving really make? You know, I, I look at this shoebox that my family put together for Operation Christmas Child. I know that whichever child receives this box, it'll make a difference to them. It'll make a difference to, to her. But the need is so great. I mean, there's so many children all around the world who really could use a Christmas gift that, that may not get one otherwise. And, and the needs are so great. And it just seems like that, that this gift is just a, a drop in the bucket compared to the needs out there. Yesterday, the scouts came by to pick up bags of canned goods for their food drive. We had gotten a bag and, and put some canned goods in it, set it out on our porch, and the scouts came by and picked it up. And I know that, that those uh, few cans of goods that, that we gave, it, it'll make a difference to the individuals who end up uh, receiving that food. But I also know that the needs of the food bank are always more than what they have to, to give away. Because it's not just people who are out of work. Uh, people on very limited fixed incomes who need help. There's also there the, the what's called the working poor, people who have jobs, but yet even though they, they work and they get a paycheck regularly, they still just really struggle to make ends meet each and every month and, and need some extra assistance from time to time from the food bank. And that's right here in our own backyard. And so I know that, that those needs are just so great. So... Sometimes I, I feel like uh, the needs around us in our community all around the world, and I'm, we're, we're trying to do our part, but it, it just it feels like trying to fight a forest fire with a fire extinguisher. That's how it feels to me. I, do you ever feel that way? Does it ever seem that way to you when you look at that you're doing what you can do, given God your offering. But do you ever feel like, you know, Lord, it just, what difference is this really making that the need is just so great? How can this little bit help? If you do feel that way, if you ever wonder about that, if you, if you, if you think about that as I do, then I'm glad you're here today because this Scripture, this story we're going to look at, God speaks directly to this issue. 
God speaks to this issue head on. And this is a very fascinating story because it is the only miracle that Jesus ever performed that is found in all four Gospels. It is the only miracle that Jesus performed that that you can find in Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. And I know Jesus being raised from the dead on Easter was a miracle. God raised Jesus from the dead. But when Jesus, for His earthly ministry, that, that He went around doing before He went to the cross, of all the miracles He did, it's the only one that we find in all four Gospels. What that says, this is super important. Jesus, uh, the, the Gospel writers wanted us to be sure we do not miss this story. So, we're going to take a look at that today and talk about the principles of multiplication. I invite you to follow along on the wall or in your Bible or on your electronic device as we read Luke's account of this miracle. Luke 9, beginning with verse 11. When the crowds learned it, they followed Him, meaning Jesus, And he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now the day began to wear away, and the twelve came and said to him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions, for we are here in a desolate place. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. They said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. And he said to his disciples, Have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so and had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. And then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. And they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, twelve baskets of broken pieces. So picture this scene in your mind. Jesus is operating like a one-man remote area medical clinic got this mass of humanity and a lot of people are in need of healing and Jesus heals person after person after person. It's like a one-man ram clinic. But Jesus did not just meet the physical needs, He also addressed the spiritual needs. And so Jesus preached to what could have been the largest crowd He ever spoke to on a single occasion. Luke says there were 5,000 men. But that's just the men. You add in the women and the children, and and a lot of scholars estimate there are around 20,000 people in this crowd. Now, not every man would have had a wife. Not every wife would have had a husband. Not every couple would have had children. And other families would have had more than two children. I mean, just like we find in this church or any church or any group. But on average, just to make the math simple, if you have a woman for every man and two children, 
that's 20,000 people. So a, a really, really big crowd Jesus has ministered to with healing and with speaking. Now, when the Son of God was speaking, he was not tied to the clock like we are. Uh, he didn't worry about time constraints. He, he was on Jesus' time. And so when he got up to speak, there was no timer on the back wall giving him to count down how much time does he have left before the service goes into overtime. And if anybody had a sundial strapped to their wrist and, and they're sitting there, you know, giving him this business, uh, you know, he didn't pay any attention. He didn't hurry up and say amen just because somebody was pointing at the wrist. He just kept right on speaking. And Luke says, and the day began to wear away. The day began to wear away. The sun was getting lower in the sky. It's late afternoon. And the people's energy level, I'm sure, also was wearing away because they've been there all day. And they're hungry. And so, I mean, Luke doesn't tell us this, but I can imagine human nature being what it is, that, that the disciples huddled up amongst one another off to the side and they're going, gentlemen, we have to do something. I mean, we've already missed lunch and we're in danger of missing supper too. I mean, Jesus has given this great sermon series, but He's doing it all in one day. How many weeks is this sermon series? And what week are we on now? And they're hungry. And so I'm sure Peter, because he loved to talk, he was the one elected as the spokesman for the group to go up to Jesus and say, Excuse us, Lord. Sorry to interrupt, but we have a suggestion. You see, Lord, as you can tell, we're out here in a desolate place. You know, we're not in Burley Stadium. We can't just go across the road down the street a little ways to the General Morgan Inn and the Catalyst. We can't just walk down the street to McDonald's and Arby's. There's nothing out here. Send the people away into the surrounding villages and the countryside so that they can get something to eat and find lodging for the night. They thought it was a good plan. And Jesus, in typical Jesus fashion, threw him a curveball. He said, you give them something to eat. And so the disciples, I'm sure as they went out into the crowd, were thinking, well, that plan, that, that did not go according to plan. That idea went awry. You know, we got to give them something to eat. He didn't dismiss the crowd. So they go out into the crowd and they find a little boy with five loaves and two fish. Now, keep in mind, this is a child, a little boy, a little kid. He has a kid's meal. Do not think one of those two entrees for $20 kind of deals. Uh-uh. That's not what he's got. He's got a kid's meal. And so the disciples go out into the crowd. Now you think about, well, how do we know? Well, again, Luke doesn't give us all the details, but just think about it. 
when we think loaves, the tendency is to think like sandwich loaves, loaves of sandwich bread, or or maybe a foot long sub roll. Now think about it. If this little kid is standing there and he's got a bag with with five foot long sub rolls sticking out, or or five loaves of sandwich bread sticking out, and there's a big mass of humanity all around him, and these people have not eaten all day and they are starving. What do you think is going to happen? People are going to notice that. And I know if I'm standing next to this kid and I miss lunch and I'm about to miss supper and I see all this food in this kid's hands, I'm not letting this opportunity pass by. If I'm nice, I will offer black market prices. Hey kid, I'll give you 20 bucks for a loaf of bread. And if I'm mean, I'll use the 10 finger discount, grab a loaf in each hand and off I go. Now you think, well, that would never happen. Oh, really? Have you ever seen footage of when relief supplies are brought into an area that was really devastated by a bad natural disaster and these people have not eaten in just days? Do the people all line up orderly in single file? It's like little kids playing soccer. Everybody's around the ball. Everybody's around the food. And people are pushing and shoving and, and you know, jockeying to be first. Because they're hungry. Human nature hasn't changed since Adam and Eve. But I don't think that, that this was an issue that had to be worried about because he's not holding this big old bag of food. The barley loaves, the five loaves, barley loaves were more like the size of a bread roll. And the fish... This is not a big, you know, deluxe, extra large fish platter that could feed a a grown man at a fish restaurant. They're more like two fish sticks. They were small fish. So when I think five loaves and two fish, when I hear five loaves and two fish in my mind, I think five bread rolls and two fish sticks. That's going to be more of what it was because this is a little kid. That's all he needs for one meal. And plus, by having that little amount, he's not going to attract the attention of all the hungry people standing around him. So they come, the disciples go out into the crowd. And this little boy, he's got his five loaves, his two fish. And they're asking, does anybody have any food they can donate to Jesus? And this boy is the model of extravagant generosity. I don't know that I could have done it or that I would have done it, but he did. He gave it all away. He didn't give a portion. He didn't give 10% or 25% or even half. He gave it all. Donated it all to the cause. Jesus wanted it and He gave it to the Lord. He gave it to the disciples who brought it to the Lord. The model of extravagant generosity. The disciples, they they get this food and they bring it up to Jesus. But they have serious doubts about about this because Luke says they they, they bring it to Jesus and it's like, well, you know, we got this starter gift, but, you know, it's not much. Lord, do you want us to go out into the, the nearest town and buy food for all these people? That's the question they asked. Lord, do you want us to go out and buy food? They didn't think that this little amount was enough. They thought they had to go out and solve the problem themselves. 
But Jesus said, oh, this is enough in my hands. It's more than enough. But the disciples didn't know this yet. They, they, they had their doubts because they're, they're looking at it through human eyes, thinking five bread rolls and a couple of fish sticks, and there's enough people here to account for every man, woman, and child in the cities of Greenville and Tusculum. And this is going to feed this whole group? Really? And Jesus said, have the people sit down in groups of 50. And so the disciples did. Jesus was about to show the disciples and the crowd the principles of multiplication. There are two. The first principle of multiplication, it must be given away before it can multiply. And the second, it must be blessed by God before it can multiply. It must be our gifts, our offerings must be given away and blessed by God before they can multiply. God wants our obedience to give away our resources so that He can then take them and, and receive them and multiply them supernaturally. So He can let His divine favor rest on our gift. And then we need God's power to bless the gifts because it takes God's power to bless the gifts, to multiply them supernaturally. We can't do it on our own. So multiplication occurs when God's power is combined with our obedience. God's power to bless, our obedience to give away. You put those two together, multiplication will occur. So Jesus takes this gift. It didn't look like much to the twelve, but it was an extremely generous gift since it was 100% of what the little boy had. And Jesus took it and He looked up to heaven and He blessed it and He broke it and He gave it to the disciples. And the disciples took the food and distributed it among the crowd. And why that matters, we'll, we'll get into in a little bit in just a moment. They saw these principles of multiplication. It must be blessed before it can multiply. Jesus had to bless this. If Jesus doesn't bless these gifts, then there's no miracle. Jesus had to bless these gifts for 20,000 people to be fed with 12 baskets of scraps left over. But also, it had to be given away. If the little boy doesn't give away his food, there's no miracle. And then after... He gave it away and Jesus blessed it. Then the disciples gave it out to the people. It didn't, the, the, the food didn't just automatically fly out from Jesus' hand into the crowds. The disciples had to physically transport it. So if you wonder, what difference does my gift make? If you wonder, what difference does your gift make? Then remember this story. Remember this miracle. Remember the principles of multiplication. Because God can do anything He wants to. And if He wants to take a kid's meal and feed 20,000 people, He can do that if He wants to. I mean, He did 2,000 years ago. 
If He wants to do it again, He can. We don't know. So we feel like it's just like a drop in the bucket. We're fighting a forest fire with a fire extinguisher. That may be how it seems to us, but in God's hands, He can do whatever He wants to. He can use it and multiply it. Discipleship is more than just us coming to Temple Street on Sundays and Wednesdays so we can get fed. It's important to come and be fed. But Jesus doesn't feed us just so that, that, that we can be you know, spiritually fat and happy and go home and say, well, that was nice and that's it. Jesus feeds us so that in turn we can go out and feed the world during the week with God's love and grace and care. Feed with our words and feed with our resources, with our time. Our time, talents, and treasure. We get fed so that in turn we feed others. The offering that was put into the plates that were just passed a few minutes ago, Jesus will bless that offering. But somebody has to take that offering and count it, and somebody has to account for it. Somebody has to then do something with that offering after it's deposited in the bank. Somebody has to make sure that those gifts are, are, are sent out wherever they need to go. It doesn't just happen on its own. A disciple or disciples have to be involved in that process to make that happen. The food that we gave, that, that we either sat on our porch or that we bring to the church for the collection box or, or even if we take it directly to the food bank, however we do it, the food that you and I give away. But the food that, that, that we give, you know, I set it on my porch, but somebody else had to come along and actually pick it up and transport it where it needs to go. Those cans didn't just fly away on their own. Those shoe boxes in the copy room or that will be placed in the copy room, they won't just automatically get where they need to go. Somebody will have to transport them to the uh, regional distribution center and then somebody else will have to go, come along and, and transport them all around the world where they need to go. Jesus feeds us so we can in turn go out into our homes, into our schools, into our workplaces, into our community, all around the world to feed others. That's how this works. Because we live in the between times. We live between the already and the not yet. This miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000 men plus the women and children, that's already happened. We are not yet at the place where the kingdom of God has come in perfect completion for all time. We are not yet at that heavenly banquet when all God's people from all time and place will sit down and hunger will be no more forever. We're not there yet. We're in this in-between time, between the already and the not yet. And multiplication occurs when God's power is combined with our obedience when Jesus feeds us so that in turn we can go out and feed others to keep the multiplication going. I've got a story to tell you and then we'll be done. Recently, I heard a testimony by a pastor named Robert Morris. 
He was the pastor of the Gateway Church in Texas. And he tells the story about a time that he was invited to, to come and speak at a church on a Sunday night. He said at that particular time, this was the only speaking engagement that he had for the whole month. So for his ministry, uh, you know, money wasn't exactly rolling in hand over fist. This was his only speaking engagement for the month. So he goes to this church and he, he gets there on this Sunday night and there are 60 people in the, in the congregation, 60 in the audience. And there is a missionary there who is in town. And so the pastor introduced this missionary and he got up and he said a few words, said hello, just said a few words and then sat down. And then Robert got up and the pastor introduced him and then Robert preached and gave the message that night. After the sermon, the pastor came back up and said, uh, I want to take up a love offering for Pastor Morris for his ministry. And so they passed the collection plates and then um, it got counted and the treasurer wrote out a check. And when the service was over and the pastor was talking to, to Robert Morris, comes up and says, I am just so excited to tell you that this check for your love offering, it's the biggest love offering we've ever given. We've never given one this big. So he looked at it and was like, wow. It was enough to cover the whole month. And then he saw that missionary in the back and he felt the Holy Spirit say to him, endorse this check and go give it to that missionary. What? Endorse this check and go give it to the missionary right now before he leaves. Okay. So he went up, folded it up, endorsed it, folded it up, went up to the missionary, handed it to him, said, don't open this till you get home. Don't tell anybody where it came from. Handed it to him. So like the little boy with the five loaves and the two fish, he gave it all away. He didn't give a part of it. He didn't give 10%. He didn't give 25 or 50 He gave it all away to the missionary as he felt the Lord was directing him to. So then after the service, uh, several from that church, they went out to eat. And so Robert's sitting there at, at the end of the table and there's a gentleman from the church seated across from him who, who leans over and he says... Um, how much was the love offering that we gave you? And, and he told him the amount. He said, let me see the check. Well, of course, he doesn't have it. And the man said, you gave it away, didn't you? Yeah, how did you know? I mean, it's kind of creepy, you know. Like, Ooh, how did you know? The Lord told me. And the Lord also told me before the service tonight to write you a check for your ministry. And he pulled it out and handed it to him. Do you know how much it was for? Ten times the amount of the love offering he had just given to the missionary. 
God can do whatever He wants. And whether our gift is small or whether it's big, when we offer it with a glad and generous heart, we give it away. Jesus blesses it. And He multiplies it for His kingdom. Those are the principles of multiplication. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, let us pray.